in our worship this morning. And it's great to be back with you folks again. It's been, I, I, we were thinking, uh, February was the last time we were up here. So uh, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it's, it's great to be with you folks. We feel like we're with friends when we come up here to, uh, to Cedar Home Baptist Church. So uh, let's take our Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, I'd like to read verses 1 through 8 this morning. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole world is full of his glory. And the foundations of the temple shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Father, take your word, speak to our hearts through it today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, school is starting this week, right? And uh, the story is told of a kindergarten girl who was busy drawing a picture with her crayons in class. The teacher stopped at her desk and asked her what she was drawing. The little girl said, well, I'm drawing a picture of God. Oh, honey, said the teacher, no one knows what God looks like. Well, without missing a beat, the little girl said, they will in a minute. <laughs> what does God look like? What are his distinguishing characteristics, his divine attributes? Uh, God is eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all-seeing, all-loving, all-just. God is patient, faithful, merciful, kind, compassionate. This morning I'd like to focus in on one characteristic of God. God is holy. Now what do we mean by that word holy? The Hebrew is kadash. It, says, it means separate or set apart. Now I have a holy toothbrush. Okay, it is separate from my wife's toothbrush. It is set apart for my exclusive use and mine only. If Gloria should ever use my toothbrush, well, that would not be good. And if I should ever, by mistake, use Gloria's toothbrush, well, that would not be good either. 
and so it is that God is separate, set apart, marked off. He is withdrawn from the common and the ordinary. God is holy. God is separated off from his creation. As the creator, separated from what he has created, from everything, from everyone that exists. God is transcendent, we say. He is high and above everything else. Think of the temple in the Bible days. Uh, it had a sacred room called the Holy of Holies. There in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant, which was considered to be the throne of God. The Holy of Holies was separated off from the rest of the temple by a thick curtain. And so it is. Uh, God is separate. He is, he is set apart. Uh, this picture of God's holiness, uh, set apart, transcendent. At the same time, God is what we would call imminent. He is close. He is near, for he chooses to dwell among his people, even as God was thought to dwell among his people in the temple. Well, the word holy has the further meaning of being separated off from anything sinful or evil or profane. God's holiness is his absolute purity. Remember the old ivory soap commercial? Ivory soap is 99 and 44 one-hundredths percent pure. It floats. Well, God is better than that. He is 100.000% pure. He is sinless. He is untainted by evil. Habakkuk 1.13 says, You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Uh, God cannot be tempted with evil, according to James chapter 1, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. This picture of God as being absolutely holy is a far cry from, from what our modern-day notions of God are. Some people talk about God as the old man upstairs. And in the movie, Oh God, uh, God was depicted to be cigar-smoking George Burns. Uh, you know, various religions have their pictures of myriads of gods and goddesses, each with their human-like passions and lusts and weaknesses. A.W. Tozer said, What you think about God is the most important thing about you. Let me say that again. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. Uh, how we need to get it right in our thinking about who God is. Today we need a fresh encounter, a fresh encounter with all holy God. Would you agree? We need a fresh encounter today, this morning. It's too easy for us to come to church, to go through the motions, uh, to leave untouched. How we need a fresh encounter with the living God. Our souls are dry and thirsty and hungry and empty 
and angry and anxious and restless and unfulfilled, how we need a fresh encounter with all holy, almighty God. Where will a fresh encounter with all holy God lead us? Well, let's consider some insights today from Isaiah's experience. First, an encounter with all holy God will lead us to revere him, to revere him. Uh, chapter 6, verse 1, Isaiah, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated upon a throne, high and lifted up, the train of his robe filled the temple. Uh, the year was 740 B.C. The occasion was Isaiah's call to ministry as God's prophet, a ministry that would span decades. Uh, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. Now, the Bible tells us elsewhere that no man has ever seen God in a physical kind of way. God is essentially invisible spirit. But God revealed himself to Isaiah in a vision. God appeared as a radiant being, seated on a throne, high and lifted up with a long flowing royal robe. Verse 2, above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. These seraphim were heavenly, angelic, winged creatures. And now the word seraph means burning one. And so they were brilliant creatures. And yet they covered their eyes before the blazing glory of God. And with two wings they, they covered their feet as a sign of, of humility. And uh, in verse 3, it says, one called to another. They're calling back and forth, back and forth. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I wonder, could we do that? I'm going to cry it out, and I want you to shout out after me, okay? Holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Well done. Okay. Verse 4. And the foundations of the, of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. The temple shook at the thunderous sound of the heavenly creatures praising God. And the house of worship was filled with smoke. Uh, what an awesome encounter this was for Isaiah. Well, when have you last experienced something that took your breath away? Two weeks ago, Gloria and I went up to Mount Rainier. Hadn't been there in years. But we went up to uh, Paradise Lodge and we hiked up from there on the pathway. What an awesome, awesome view that was that day. The, the sky was clear and, and just what a magnificent sight. Uh, a few years ago, Gloria and I were at um, the Grand Canyon, and, and I remember that first glimpse. I'd never been there before, but that first glimpse of the Grand Canyon, and it was breathtaking. It was amazing, awesome, 
a little bit scary. I saw some young people sitting right on the edge of the cliff. And, and you know, I was scared for them. Uh, and then I remember a few years ago, we were at um, Hoover Dam. And, and we were, uh, you know, looking down the rail at the, at the causeway there. And what a, you know, it was kind of a little scary. And it puts a little trepidation in your heart. Uh, it's so massive. Uh, it's kind of like Grand Coulee Dam. But uh, exciting, exciting. And uh, so it was that Isaiah had this vision of God. And it took his breath away. Uh, God met with him in an amazing way. And Isaiah responded with awe and reverence, with respectful fear. God calls us to not a cringing fear, not a, not a dread, a terror of God, but a holy, respectful fear of the Lord. In Acts, we hear about the early church. And there in chapter 4, verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, my prayer would be that God would come down and shake the rafters of Cedar Home Baptist Church. Amen? That's your prayer too, isn't it? That God would just meet with us in a powerful way, encounter us, change us, transform us. Earlier this year, a revival broke out in the chapel service of the Asbury University in Kentucky. Students were praying and praising God and repenting of their sins and on their faces before God, it was Sincere, it was earnest, it was heartfelt. No one wanted to leave the chapel. And this went on for several days. And students from other colleges were flocking to, to Asbury University to get in on what God was doing. And, and this revival spread out to other college campuses last spring. God was at work in powerful ways. And last Pentecost Sunday in uh, Southern California, in the Pacific Ocean, there was a baptism service. Over 4,000 people following the Lord in believers' baptism. What an amazing thing that was. God was at work in powerful ways. And we would pray that God would work in powerful ways here in the Pacific Northwest. That God would work in powerful ways here at Cedar Home Baptist Church in the city of, of Stanwood, that God would just show himself uh, in such a powerful, awesome, glorious way. God is all, all holy, so let us hold him in reverence. Well, here's a second insight from our <clears throat> study of Isaiah. Fresh encounter with all holy God will lead us to recognize our sin to recognize our sin. <clears throat> Verse 5, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Woe is me, Isaiah said. Oh no, oi, I'm ruined, I'm a dead duck. It was thought that if a man should ever see God, you know, that would be the end. He'd be fried to a crisp instantly. Uh, Woe is me, I am undone, Isaiah said. And we look back a chapter to Isaiah chapter 5, and we see a number of woes. Verse 18, Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood, who draw sin with cart ropes. 20, verse 20, Woe to those who, who call evil good and good evil. Don't we see a lot of that today in our society? Uh, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Verse 21, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Verses 22 and 23, Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. The Lord, through his prophet, spoke words of woe, of dire warning to the people who exploit the poor, who plot evil schemes, who deceive, who are haughty, who abuse alcohol and let their passions run wild, who act unjustly. Isaiah lived among a sinful people. But was he immune to sin himself? No. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. Stories told of some girls in middle school who thought it was really funny to um, kiss the mirror in the bathroom. Well, they would put on their lipstick and they'd leave leave, uh, kiss marks on the bathroom mirror for the janitor to clean up. Janitor was not amused. So one day, the principal and the janitor took these girls into the restroom, and the principal told the girls that the janitor had to work really hard at cleaning up these kiss marks, and then he had, she had him demonstrate. So the janitor uh, took the brush that he used for cleaning the toilets, and he swished it around in the toilet, he brought it back, and he wiped the bathroom mirror with it. Well, surprisingly, no more kiss marks after that. (laughs) How clean are your lips? Are my lips? Do we have dirty lips, vulgar lips, profane lips, abusive lips, deceitful lips, gossipy lips, sarcastic lips, judgmental lips? Or do we have lips that are pure and kind and gracious and gentle and sincere and honest? Jesus said, from the heart, the mouth speaks. What does your speech say about your heart? When Isaiah saw the Lord, he saw himself. And when he saw himself, He saw his sin, and when he saw his sin, he saw his need for cleansing. In a giant magnifying mirror, 
he saw his sin in light of God's holiness. Today, when God encounters us, he makes us painfully aware of our sins. The Holy Spirit convicts us. And that leads us to a third insight. An encounter with all holy God will lead us to receive his grace. Verses 6 and 7. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. After Isaiah confessed his sinfulness, a seraph took a red-hot burning coal from off the altar. Now, the altar was the place for sacrificing animals. And it speaks of blood that was shed for the atonement, the forgiving of sin. The Old Testament sacrifices all point ahead to one thing. They, they point ahead to the perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross to take away our sins. There in Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, it reads, but, we, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so many of our songs uh, spoke about this this morning, how Christ carried our sins in his body on the tree, how he was nailed to the cross, and how we now can be completely cleansed and forgiven and set free. We may feel that we've messed up too badly, that uh, God cannot forgive us, but that's not true. Will you read with me 1 John Chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, read it with me out loud here, okay? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take that to heart. Let's truly believe that. Let's claim that promise. Uh, let's confess our sins, ask God's forgiveness, receive God's grace. And this leads us to a fourth and final insight. A fresh encounter with God will lead us to respond to his call upon our lives. <clears throat> to respond to a call upon our lives. Uh, we call this consecration. We said earlier that God is holy and that he, he is set apart, set apart. Now we are called to be holy, set apart from sin, set apart to live for God. Leviticus chapter 20, 8 and 9 say, Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, I am the Lord, your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. God is holy. Uh, therefore, God is calling us to a life 
of holiness, a life of obedience and purity. God, God is further calling us to be set apart and dedicated to serve him. Earlier this year, uh, Charles III was formally coronated as the king of England. He became king actually several uh, months prior to this at the death of his mother, Queen Elizabeth, but now he was publicly coronated, which was a sign of being designated and recognized as king. And with this came a vow of dedication uh, to be of service to the country, to, to fulfill all the duties of the king. In an elaborate ceremony, maybe you saw this on TV, uh, Charles was washed, he was anointed with oil, and he was crowned as king. And so it is, Romans 12:1 tells us, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your rational, reasonable service. We are called to offer our bodies, our total selves, as holy sacrifices to God. This is our spiritual worship and our spiritual service to him. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. God had, a, God had an assignment to give to Isaiah. And this assignment, we might say, was like mission impossible. Uh, he was to preach to people who would stubbornly refuse to listen to God. A hostile audience. Verses 9 and 10, And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. It's hard to understand those verses, but we, we understand that, that Israel had resisted God for centuries. They had plugged their ears. They had closed their eyes. They had time and time again said no to God. Uh, this is the football season, okay? And um, Stanwood played their first game yet of the season? Have they? Okay, they, so you're into it now, right? And you know, in, in football, a running back might, might stiff arm his opponent, okay? Might give them the stiff arm. And for centuries of time, Israel had stiff armed God. They said, no, God. They resisted him. They disobeyed him. They wouldn't have it. And now it was Isaiah's mission to go and to preach repentance to these hard-hearted people. It would be no fun, no fun at all. 
only a tiny remnant of people would respond. Yet Isaiah was resolute in his response to God. Here am I, he says. Here am I. The response of a servant. When God called Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, Abraham responded, Here am I, Lord. Here am I. And when God called out of a burning bush Moses, Moses responded, Here am I. Here am I. And when God called a little boy Samuel in the middle of the night, Samuel, without even recognizing at the time it was God calling, Samuel responded, Here am I. Here am I. Isaiah, when called to an extraordinary challenge, a difficult mission, responded, Here am I. Send me. Pastor Mike Brio tells of his daughter Jody answering God's call to a mission in Haiti. She had just finished high school. And she received, uh, Pastor Mike received an email from Jody. It said, Dad, tonight has been the most remarkable night in my life. I got called out of this hut to deliver a baby. Dad, I've only delivered one, and that was with someone. I'd never done it by myself, but I was the only one around. Jody says, they called me, and I got to this hut, and there's this naked, screaming lady on the dirt floor. I got a flashlight. I'm thinking, here I am, 18 years old, and I'm in a hut in a third-world country with a naked, screaming, pregnant lady. And I have a flashlight, and I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm here. Jody says, to make matters worse, this lady from the voodoo religion walked into the hut, dressed in her red and blue voodoo garb, began to chant some voodoo incantations in Creole. She put some kind of oil on the lady's head, and when she started to walk away from me and the woman, she stopped at the woman's belly and put some other kind of salve there and, and walked the opposite direction, and all the while chanting this Creole creed. I, I didn't know what to do. She stood at the head of this woman and stared a hole through me. And when I was getting ready to deliver the baby, I just looked back at her and started singing. I knew she didn't understand English, but I just got started singing. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. With wisdom, power, and love, our God is an awesome God. Uh, Jody says, well, the voodoo lady became completely unglued. She grabbed all her stuff and ran out of the hut. And then Jody wrote, that night I knew that that baby was going to be born with the blessing of God and not the curse of Satan. God may not be calling you to go as a missionary to Haiti. In fact, it's a very dangerous place right now. But he may be calling you to simply be 
a witness for Christ at your school or your place of work or your neighborhood. He may be simply calling you to, to pray earnestly for people. He may be calling you to serve in a, in a variety of different ways here at Cedar Home Baptist Church. Are you willing to say, here am I, Lord. Here am I. Use me. Send me. Here am I, devoting myself to you, Lord. Reporting for duty. I consecrate, I dedicate my life to you. Isaiah saw the Lord. And he had this fresh encounter with the living, almighty, all-holy God. Today, God is among us at this, very, at this very moment. So let us revere him in our hearts, our awesome, holy God. Let us recognize our sin and confess it. Let us then receive God's grace and forgiveness. And then let us respond to God and his calling upon our lives. Let's pray. Father, indeed, we do want to respond to you today by saying, here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me. But first of all, Lord, we need to examine our hearts. We need to pray, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in thy way everlasting. So let's take just a moment of self-examination and ask God to point out any sin in our lives that we need to confess, admit, and ask God's forgiveness for. Father, we thank you for your wonderful, wonderful assurances in your word that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And bless now, Lord, as we transition into our time of communion. May we truly commune in our hearts with you and with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, remember again the wonderful gift of salvation that you have offered to us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.